Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, uh, you know, we didn't talk about this after the the last uh, on the last show, but how was your Halloween? Halloween was pretty good. I, I hosted a trivia show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I saw some people dressed up. I saw this couple came as Wayne and Garth. That's a, that's a that great prof- couple's costume. A very good one. Yeah, I thought that was a that was a pretty good one. Other than that, I thought the costumes that I thought that I saw were were pretty mediocre. Uh but uh I did have a lot of candy which is my favorite part of Halloween. Yes. Uh, well, the good thing about Halloween is the candy. Uh, the problem is in my neighborhood, we get a lot of kids. Um, we must have had 400 trick-or-treaters at our house oh, over the course of the evening. Yeah, it's a it's a particularly busy side of town, and I'm pretty confident that people in our city drive their kids to our neighborhood to have them go trick-or-treating in our neighborhood. And it's not like we're like some big fancy schmancy neighborhood, um, but we're just a, you know, I guess a nicer part of town. So people like to come over to our part of town and do their trick-or-treating. Um, what did you think of our Halloween costume. Did you get a chance to see the Halloween costumes that myself, my wife, and my son did? I, I did. Now, the thing is, is I had to, to Google the little reference because oh, I never saw the movie. Oh, no. you never saw the movie Labyrinth? I never saw it. Oh, man. Uh, well, let's just say my wife and I went as the Goblin King, Jareth, and Sarah from the movie Labyrinth, and our son uh, was dressed up as Toby from the movie Labyrinth. Um, I, I'll send out the picture on the Samo Dolphins Twitter account probably some point um, on Friday, so those of you who are listening can can scroll back through our timeline and you'll see the picture, and uh, I think you will appreciate it. It was. It, we, the, the word that we're getting from all of our friends was that it was a fantastic, well done costume. I don't like to brag, but I guess I did bring it up myself. So maybe I like to brag a little bit. You certainly love to brag, but, uh, you know, I, I did Google and I did look and from what I saw, it appeared to be a pretty spot on costume. We, uh, you know, when we do a costume, we like to do it right. You know, especially if it's a group costume, we like to try to do a pretty good job. Like like the Bob's Burgers costume that we did a few That's years ago. That's still back. the goat. That's the goat. We did a Bob's Burgers costume where I was Bob and, and my wife was Linda. And then we had a, a friend of ours um, play Tina. A male friend of ours played Tina. And then, uh, let's see, we had, we had a Gene and uh, we had... Uh, What's the other one's name? Louise. 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 We had a Louise. It was good. It was a good costume. Uh, there was another year where my wife with some of friends of hers, uh, were the golden girls, which was pretty tremendous. Um, but anyway, you didn't tune in to listen Thank you to for being a friend. The brain is a very good singer. Oh, you didn't tune into the same old dolphin show to hear us talk about uh, Halloween costumes or to hear me brag. I mean, and besides one thing that I certainly don't have anything to brag about is, my football team, the Miami Dolphins, although they are five and four at the moment. So, uh, you know, 
hey, this this is a big game coming up this weekend against the Green Bay Packers. And we are going to preview that game for you here on this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. But before we get there, we've got a couple of other stories that we need to touch on first. Um, the first one is one that we talked about at length on the wrap-up show for the game against the Jets, and that is this whole Rashad Jones situation. Um, and for as much of a mess as that situation was, it seems to have, at least for the time being, worked itself out as well as you could have hoped it would work out if your hope was that Rashad Jones would still be a member of the Miami Dolphins. Because for now, it sounds like Jones went out of his way to seek out Adam Gase and to apologize to him. And it looks like he's also addressed his teammates and that everybody has decided they're going to handle it internally. Whatever the punishment is, is going to be handled internally and they're not going to make a big stink out of it. And they're just going to try to move on from it as best as possible. And that seems to be what has happened here. And so what looked like another ridiculous situation is at least been swept under the rug for now. I think this has still shown us that there are some issues with the players and the coaching staff, and particularly at the moment, as it sounds like, between the players and Matt Burke. And it also seems like there might be some issues with Adam Gase and whether or not he is being hands-on enough in some of these departments, particularly as it pertains to... Uh, his defense, how involved is he? Why doesn't he, why isn't he aware of when a player is unhappy with a coach on his staff? Um, how much is he getting involved? Is he getting involved enough? Does he need to do more? Whatever the case may be, right now, while those problems may still be underneath, the Dolphins have papered over the cracks and they are prepared to move on and worry about the upcoming game against the Packers. So, Brain, do you have thoughts on this Rashad Jones situation? And, and how the Dolphins have sort of handled it as we move into the weekend. Yeah. I mean, when the, when the story first broke, you know, we're in the game on Sunday and we're like, okay, Rashad Jones is out of the game. I guess he's hurt. And then you find out that he's not hurt and this whole thing broke and you're just like, well, why is he taking himself out of the game? And it just seemed like it was going to be ugly. And then you had the added, timing of it that it it happened after the trade deadline and so it's like well now what are you gonna do I mean you can't even trade Rashad Jones if you want him off the team so what are you just gonna release one of your best players so with all that given I think the only way that this could have been resolved that would have made any sense was for cooler heads to prevail and for things to be smoothed over. And that's what happened. Now, as you know, it's the as far as the final result is concerned, Rashad Jones is gonna play, they're gonna handle discipline in-house, and everybody's on the same page now. As far as results go, you can't ask for a better result. That's that's the best thing that could have happened here. But what we've learned along the way of Rashad Jones, you know, I guess taking exception to being taken out, maybe not knowing this beforehand that that was going to be part of the game plan. Adam Gase flat out saying, I had no idea what was going on there. Uh, It's just, it reeks of there's poor communication going on and Adam Gase 
once again, just seems in over his head right now as a head coach. And that's not to say that Adam Gase can't be a good head coach. But what it looks like to me, looking over his body of work, the fact that he's calling plays, he refuses to give up play calling duty. He is all about his offense and seems to have no rapport with his defensive players, and so much so that now we're finding out that he really doesn't even know what's going on on the defensive side of the ball, and that he's not firing Matt Burke because he's so close with Matt Burke. And why is he so close with Matt Burke? Well, maybe it's because Matt Burke is basically running the entire defense, and Adam Gase is letting him do whatever the hell he wants with the defense, Because so Adam Gase can focus all of his energy on the offense. And when I hear that, what I hear is, you are not a head coach. You are an offensive coordinator. And until Adam Gase figures out that in order for him to be a good head coach, he needs to have his hands on the entire team, you know, figuratively speaking, of course, um, that he can't just be focusing on the offensive end. And if that's going to be his way of dealing with it, then. One, you're going to need to get an elite defensive coordinator in here. And two, you're going to have you're going to continue to have this disconnect uh, when something happens on the defensive side where he doesn't know. And the head coach has too much responsibility to only be concerned on one side of the football. He just he, he does. And what's going to happen is that he's just going to. He's going to be out of touch with things. He's going to miss things and he can't see the forest through the trees because all he cares about is the offense. And if, if that doesn't change this off season, uh, assuming he keeps his job past this season, then I don't foresee things getting any better. You want your head coach to have a vision of the entire game plan, the offense, the defense, the special teams, and then have trusted coaches that work under him that can implement that game plan and teach and give attention to detail. As the head coach, Adam Gase doesn't have enough time to just spend on the offense. And if he's spending all of his time on the offense, well, then that explains why the defense has been so horrid. Now, the offense hasn't been good either, and that's pretty concerning if Adam Gase is spending all of his time on the offense, but at least you've got some excuses that are there. You've got the excuse of Ryan Tannehill getting hurt. You've got the excuse of your offensive line has been ravaged with injuries and that your receiving core uh, you know, has been pretty beat up as well. There's, there's reason to kind of understand what's going on there, but... It's kind of inexcusable when you look at some of the talent on their defense and it's struggling. And then the head coach says, well, I, I have no idea what's going on there. That's just, you're not at that point. You're not a head coach. You're just an offensive coordinator. And that seems to be a huge problem with this franchise and with this team right now. Yeah, it's it's certainly indicative of deeper problems within the organization, and hopefully whatever it is is something that can get fixed sooner rather than later. Um, another issue that there is with this team before we move on to the Green Bay game is the ongoing Ryan Tannehill injury situation. 
Um, it's been sort of a week by week deal since he since word broke shortly before the Bears game that he was not going to play. And as as it's gone on, it's become increasingly concerning, at least from my perspective. It just seems like Ryan Tannehill is not getting any strength back in his shoulder, in his throwing shoulder, and is at a place where he can't he just like is physically unable to make the kind of throws that an NFL quarterback is needs to be able to make. And so the latest thing is there was some media availability that Tannehill had earlier this week. And he said in that availability that he is hoping at this point to be ready to go for the Dolphins game against the Colts following their bye after this Green Bay game. And my immediate thought was, if he's still not even throwing the ball, and they're talking about He's not going to throw at all during the bye week. It's not going to, he's not going to throw a football again until the Monday after the bye week. I just don't know how you go from not throwing a football at all to being game ready in that, in a week. It just seems really unlikely to me. Um, and the word is out on the street. Again, the guys over at the three yards per carry podcast, the five reasons sports network, um, are saying that in addition to the injury, um, that Tannehill is dealing with, which is a capsule injury in his shoulder. He's also ha- dealing with a partial labrum tear. And so that's causing him pain. So between, it's not the pain that is causing him the issue. It's that's causing him to not be able to make the throw. It's the capsule injury. But, but when you take those two things and you put them together and it, it's like, I don't understand. I just don't see how you're looking at having a Ryan Tannehill who is at 100% and ready to lead this football team at any point in the remainder of the season. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe he's able to come back at some point, but it just seems with each passing week that we're getting closer and closer to the Dolphins just saying, you know what, we're just going to shut this down for the rest of the season and let's get you healed up in the offseason and we'll cross whatever bridge comes next at that point. It just seems like that's where we're heading. Um, because he's had strength and then he lost strength and then he can't get any strength back. I don't know how you're going to get significant strength back, even taking a week and a half off of throwing the football. I don't know how that's going to suddenly magically make you able to come back and, and make the big throws. And I mean, part of the thing with Ryan Tannehill is his big arm. That's one of the things that makes him an NFL caliber quarterback is that he's got it's one is his athleticism and his ability to move around. And two is that big, big arm that he has. And if he can't make those kinds of passes, um, I just don't know what you're doing with a Ryan, why you would even want a Ryan Tannehill who's playing at like 75%, why you would even want him leading the team. Yeah, that that's where I'm at right now. It's that let's say he he's back after the buy uh because he's he's at 75%. Well, is Ryan Tannehill at 75% any better than Brock Osweiler? Is he even as good as Brock Osweiler at 75%? Um and at this point, I know that probably you're you're sitting there and listening to this and you're thinking, well, Regardless of what happens with Ryan Tannehill this year, we we now are at the point where we know that Ryan Tannehill is not going to be the Dolphins quarterback long term. And that, that may very well be the case. I know that 
I'm of that opinion, and I know that you're of that opinion as well. But the guy's got a $13 million cap hit next year if we don't bring him back, if we release him. So there's a very good chance that he's going to be on the roster next year. And Adam Gase certainly thinks the world of him, if you believe even 75% of what he said at that press conference last week, where he just raved about all of Ryan Tannehill's abilities and what makes him such a special player and everything that uh, the offense can be with him at quarterback. So certainly if, if Adam Gase is going to be back and he believes in Ryan Tannehill and that's the stance of the organization is that Ryan Tannehill is still going to be their quarterback going forward, then you can't look at this injury and say, this is about this year and trying to make the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. You got to look at this and you got to say, well, we need to get this thing fixed so that Ryan Tannehill is healthy next year. And I know that they were saying in the, uh, in the press conference that, you know, Ryan Tannehill's press conference, he said that no doctor has told him has even mentioned surgery. And I, <laughs> I, f- I find that hard to believe. Uh, but one thing that's certainly not going to be good for his ailing shoulder or whatever capsule, whatever what, labrum, whatever the injury is, is going to be him going out there and playing and taking a bunch of hits and making a bunch of throws at the NFL level. So if you want this guy to be right next season, there just doesn't seem to be any reason to play him this year. Uh, unless you're just, you're going, unless you have like zero faith in Brock Osweiler, which I get, but again, I just don't think, even if you think that 75% of Ryan Tannehill is better than a hundred percent Brock Osweiler. I mean, I don't even know how much better a hundred percent Ryan Tannehill is over a hundred percent Brock Osweiler, let alone a 75% Ryan Tannehill. So I just don't think they're not going to make the playoffs with either of these situations. So you might as well not risk the guy's long-term health. If you're, if, if there's even a thought that he's going to be your quarterback next year, and you might as well just go on with, with Brock Osweiler and see what you can do. Yeah, I'd certainly agree with that. I mean, at this point you're, you've been, listen, we said at the beginning of the season, you made the decision at the beginning of the season that, that Tannehill's your guy, and but if he's and if he's hurt now, Brock Osweiler was the backup that you went out of your way to sign, and even after a lackluster preseason, he was the guy that you made your number two quarterback. So at this point, might as well just ride with what you got and and see where you end up. I mean, the other theory is Adam Gase is in game is in job saving mode, which means that he's going to do whatever he can do to try to get to the playoffs. And if that means putting in a a Ryan Tannehill at 75% ahead of Brock Osweiler, then so be it. I mean, the one thing that Ryan Tannehill can give you at 75% is that he is still an athletic mobile quarterback who can, who can get out and run and move. And, you know, with that's something that we've seen over the past few weeks that Brock Osweiler doesn't really seem to be capable of at all. So that might be one reason to bring Tannehill in. But I think your point is a good one. If, you know, I just don't know how much there is to 
to gain long-term looking at Ryan Tannehill. You're right. It is a possibility that Adam Gase might be saying Ryan Tannehill is going to be my quarterback next season. As much as some of us might hate that idea, if that's what you're going to go with, you might as well do everything in your power to make sure you've got a healthy Ryan Tannehill as opposed to a Ryan Tannehill whose arm you destroy by playing him with an injury uh, for the last month of the season. At any rate, we I just are- think that this this organization from the top on down has been plagued by never seeing the big picture. Well, that's the problem. And the problem is that the Dolphins always find themselves in a bad situation. And it's always a bad situation that they themselves put themselves in to begin with. The, it's it's the short-sightedness of the organization is what has kept it in this sort of never-ending loop of mediocrity and there's been article after article written about it and it's written about over and over again because it's true the dolphins are constantly making short-sighted short-term decisions in order to try to figure out a way to do something now and what they always end up doing now is mediocre and the best that they can do is 10 and 6 make the first round of the playoffs and lose in the wild card round and that's it and i mean you know, with everybody that's saying, with as much as this season has been ridiculous and they've been plagued by injuries and the team is, the defense has been dysfunctional and it's been bad for large segments of it, the Dolphins do find themselves at a five and four record and are right in the thick of the playoff race, whether we like it or not. Um, but that's largely because the AFC is not a particularly strong, strong conference. And, you know, there is a possibility that the Dolphins might, by benefit of the fact that they play some pretty awful teams down the stretch, they have an opportunity if they manage to win one or two games that they probably shouldn't win. If they find a way to do that, they find themselves back in the playoffs, which the organization likes, even though best case scenario, you probably have the Dolphins losing in the first round of the playoffs. And if by some miracle, they win a game in the first round of the playoffs, they're certainly not winning in the divisional round. So, you know, it's, and then that's just going to sort of make the situation worse because again, you're, you're going to have them think, you're going to have an organization that thinks, well, this organization is close. We're close. We'll just make a couple of moves. And then, you know, the same thing happens again. And the never ending cycle continues to perpetuate itself. Regardless, the Dolphins have a game this Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. And I mean, we, we do these previews, you know, the way that we've done them all season, which we take a look at what do the Dolphins need to do when they're on offense and what do they need to do when they're on defense in order to win this game. And, and we'll start, um, with the Dolphins on defense because we did have a question from at Austin D1316. He says, what will it take for the defense to contain Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? And I think that's really the big question as you look at this, because while the Packers do have an okay running game, this is a team that is built on Aaron Rodgers' arm. And even despite the fact that so many of his weapons have been injured this season, Geronimo Allison is going has gone down for the season. Um, his other receivers have been out uh, with various niggling injuries here and there. He still manages to be one of those guys who can put the team on his shoulders and lead them to victory. That game against the Bears, I think first week of the season where he single-handedly dragged his team to a comeback victory, um, really improbable and incredible stuff. And that's why he's 
a, a legendary quarterback. And if there's one thing that we've seen with the Dolphins defense this season is that if you're, if they're up against a quarterback who is, um, worth his salt at all, they seem, those quarterbacks seem to be able to pick this defense apart. Um, so we've had a lot of talk about Matt Burke changing things up scheme wise and doing things to get Minka Fitzpatrick involved. Is any of that going to make a difference or is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, are they just going to romp all over the Dolphins on Sunday? Uh, there, there are certain matchups. When you look at the Dolphins secondary and you see Xavier Howard playing at an elite level, you, you hope now you got Rashad Jones on the same page as the, as the rest of the guys. TJ McDonald obviously had a great game last week, but TJ McDonald is a guy that has been kind of burnt in coverage all year long. And last week, it seemed like the adjustment was to put Minka on the outside and move Bobby McCain back where he's most comfortable in the slot. And I mean, it worked, but it was the Jets. So how much can you really take away from it? This would seem to be the test. Um, whether it's Devontae Adams or Geronimo Allison or uh, what's his name? Uh, Valdez Scandling, uh, the guy from USF who has been an emerging star for for Green Bay. They they've got some weapons there in the receiving core that are that are well they're more than just competent, but nobody there is just really like a stud that you would say, well that guy specifically scares me. Um and so because of it, I'm I think what you're probably going to see is Xavier Howard's probably not going to shadow anybody. He's probably just going to stick on his side of the field and Aaron Rodgers is probably just going to game plan. Green Bay is probably just going to game plan to try to attack away from Xavier Howard. Now, does that mean that they attack Bobby McCain? Well, it's harder to attack Bobby McCain if we're putting Bobby McCain in the slot where he's actually been really good um, if we're putting Minka Fitzpatrick on the outside. Now, that might mean that this is going to be the big test game for Minka Fitzpatrick as far as playing boundary corner, which is something that uh, of all the positions that he played in college, whether he was playing free safety or slot corner, or boundary corner, or coming up and being in the box and playing almost as a linebacker, the position where he had the most difficulty and where he projected to probably be least likely to play would have been that position, the boundary corner position. And so if I'm Green Bay, if the Dolphins go out there and they start lining up Minka Fitzpatrick on the boundary, and I get a matchup with one of my speedy receivers against Minka Fitzpatrick, I'm testing him deep. And uh, that just means the only way, I mean, one, that means Minka Fitzpatrick's got to be on his A game. Uh, otherwise, uh, the Dolphins need to shade coverage that way, which will cause other openings on the on the rest of the field. Or we're going to need to get that pass rush. And... Green Bay happens to have two of the best bookend tackles in the league in Bakhtiari and Bulaga. Now, Cameron Wake had two sacks last week, granted against a very bad Jets offensive line. But Cameron Wake, one of his best games as a pro, came, 
excuse me, came when he was matched up against Brian Bulaga. He's going to need to have a game like that uh, because Bakhtiari is probably going to shut down Robert Quinn, who has been, you know, he, he's been close in a lot of these games to, to making uh, the big impact play with the sacks, but he's got still at this point, one sack on the season. And it, it's kind of, you're now going up against one of the best left tackles in the league kind of hard to expect him to have a really impactful game in this situation. So I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have time to throw. Um, The other piece of this puzzle is that when the Dolphins have played the best quarterbacks that they've played this year, who are the best quarterbacks that the Dolphins have played this year? Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford. Mitch Trubisky. I wouldn't say Mitch Trubisky. Andy Dalton. Um, no, no, I would say the best quarterbacks that you played. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, w- I would say the three best quarterbacks we've played are Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, and Deshaun Watson. When we played those quarterbacks, those teams beat us by running the ball. Well, now Deshaun Watson in the second half of the game kind of went crazy because the Dolphins couldn't cover anybody in the second half of that game. But they, we also gave up just a ton of rushing yards in those games. And I wonder if we come at this with the same game plan of we're just we're selling out to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. We're selling out to play pass defense. If Green Bay doesn't just come out and say, hey, we're going to run the ball with Aaron Jones and we're going to have balance and we're going to beat you with balance the same way that the Patriots did it, the same way that the Lions did it. And I don't know that the Dolphins can stop Aaron Jones from running the ball. And if we don't stop Aaron Jones from running the ball, then there ain't no way in hell that we're stopping Aaron Rodgers from throwing the ball. And that's my concern is that this is going to be a game where Green Bay is going to come at this very similarly to how New England and Detroit attacked us and beat us with balance. And if we don't stop the run, it's going to be a really long day for the defense. With that in mind, with the defense presumably going to have themselves have a very long day, of course, it's always possible that they could turn it around and, and, and they've got a surprise in them and can show up and find a way to stifle this Packers offense. The other side of the coin is this Miami Dolphins offense is averaging just over 14 points a game on the road this season. And that includes trips to Houston, New England, Cincinnati, and New York. We're not talking about, you know, top-notch defenses, although Houston's defense has certainly come around. We're not talking about, you know, grade-A defenses. This Dolphins offense has been pretty meek, pretty putrid, I think is probably a better word to describe it, Uh, particularly... The last two weeks, they've just looked completely ineffective. So what does this Dolphins, what is this Dolphins offense going to do against Green Bay's defense, which is not an elite defense by any stretch, but they're certainly not a bad defense. Um, They're a defense that currently is allowing 352.4 yards a game. They're, They're a team that the Dolphins should ideally be able to run the ball against. They're giving up almost 120 yards on the ground. But are the Dolphins going to be able to get the balls, get the ball into the hands of their playmakers? Is, 
I mean, Kenyon Drake had what three carries in the last game against uh, against the Jets. They got to get him involved more to have a chance, right? Well, he certainly gives you the ability to get big plays, and that's what's really been missing from this Dolphins offense since Albert Wilson got hurt. Is that we're not seeing the the big plays. Uh, we're not seeing uh, got the the explosive guys in space. Now, it, it obviously it it doesn't help when you lose a guy like Albert Wilson, and then you also lose a guy like Kenny Stills. Those are t- two of your biggest playmakers. But it also doesn't help when one of your other biggest playmakers is getting the ball three times as a running back and four times as a receiver and only getting seven touches in the game, and that's Kenyon Drake. So you've got to give him the ball more as well. Now, Green Bay does not have a great rush defense, but they are hard to run up the middle on. And the Dolphins' offensive line, the strength of this interior, uh, the strength of this offensive line is not their interior. And we'll talk about the offensive. Well, let's talk about the offensive line right now. Not only is the interior of the offensive line just not very good after you lost Josh Sitton um, and you've been you know, moving guys in and out most of the year. Well, Ted Larson is, is battling with an injury. And then, well, if the strength of your offensive line is your tackles, well, both of the Dolphins starting tackles are dealing with injuries and we're not sure that either of them are going to play this week. So it is a major, major problem on the offensive line. And it goes up against, a Green Bay defense that is difficult to run the ball up the middle on. And that's what Frank Gore does well. And so if we're going to, if the game plan is going to be to give Frank Gore the ball 20 times and you're going to be content with him just running for 65 yards on 20 carries, well, you're probably going to lose and you're probably going to struggle to put up double digits. You've got to be creative here and you've got to swing for the fences a little bit. And that means you've got to trust Kenyon Drake. I know he whiffed on that block early in the game last week, but you just got to, you got to stick with him and you just got it because for every bad play that he makes, there's also a 50 yarder that's waiting to happen. And the majority of his big plays, they just, they outweigh his mistakes and his mistakes, you know, they could be very frustrating, but it's the only way he's going to learn is to play through them. And Frank Gore has his role as your between the tackles runner. And if it's on third on, you know, short yardage, yeah, let's let's line up in in like an I formation or or even, you know, I know they like to do their single back, but let's give the ball to Frank Gore to run on like a third and one and not do it out of the shotgun. And that's his role, you know, to do that. But if we're gonna have success running the ball, I think we're gonna have to do it running off tackle. I think we're going to have to do it with some mix, some misdirection and we're going to have to get a little bit creative and we're going to have to find ways to get the ball to our playmakers in space. Um, Green Bay plays a ton of dime defense uh, more than anybody else in the league. And the two teams that come to mind that have utilized that strategy against the Dolphins were the New England Patriots and the Detroit Lions, and those two teams absolutely had their way with the Dolphins. And so that worries me as well. Uh, obviously, you're, you're looking at Brock Osweiler, who has progressively seemingly gotten worse uh, 
every week. Uh, the offensive line is banged up. The receiving core is banged up. This just, it seems like an offense that just is trending in the wrong direction and is getting worse every week. And, you know, Green Bay doesn't have an elite defense, but they do get after the quarterback. They're third in the league in sack percentage. We come in with our with our offensive line completely banged up and our both of our tackles questionable. I just, this just does not look like a recipe for success going into this game. It's, it looks yeah. like a disaster. Yeah, it feels like, it, it just feels like this is a, a bad, it's just going to be one of those games that you hate to sit through and it just, it just doesn't feel good. It, it, I mean, and in the past, those are sometimes games where the Dolphins pull something out of the hat and give you a magical performance. But this is a game where they're going into Lambeau Field. It's going to be below freezing. I just, I just don't see how the Dolphins come out are coming back home for this bye week with anything other than a loss at a at a Lambeau Field. But I mean. You know, what the Dolphins need from Brock Osweiler is they don't need him to be great. They just need him to be the Brock Osweiler that he was in that game against Chicago. Just don't do anything stupid. Just just manage the game. Figure yeah, out that's a, a the the problem is is that he wasn't Brock Osweiler in that game. He played above him. He played probably the best game of his career in that game. That's true. Well, we we need him to play the best game of his career again. And we need to we need him to find a way to get his playmaking wide receivers involved. I mean, Jakeem Grant is a guy who can do a lot of great things for you. Let's find a way, let's find creative ways to get the ball into his hands because when you do that, you know, he does, can make good things happen. Devontae Parker followed up his a career game against the Texans with one reception for eight yards. Now, granted, not all of that is his fault. Some of it is Osweiler, but you know, if you want to be a game-changing wide receiver, you got to make that game come to you. And, you know, we need these guys to step up and figure out a way to do it. Otherwise, I just – I can see this game in Green Bay being one that ends with a score line that looks something along the lines of like 37-6. to 6. And I can see that happening, you know, fairly – just a very comfortable win for the Packers on Sunday. What what do you think, Brain? What what is your prediction for Sunday? I think the Dolphins will give a spirited effort, especially on the defensive oh, side of the ball. Oh, a spirited effort. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's what I hope they, I hope everybody gets a participation trophy after showing a spirited effort. Well, that's kind of their the one thing that you could say that's really positive about Adam Gase is that the team usually plays really hard. And tends to surprise you in these games where they go in as big time underdogs. They they always seem to give you know a a spirited effort. The Patriots game aside, I don't know what the hell happened in that game earlier this season. Um, but that said, I just don't see it from this offense. I, I think the offense is going to be dreadful because I just think that they are dreadful at this point. You're talking about a Brock Osweiler led offense with no offensive line and a receiving core that is not fully healthy and frankly not that great. There's just not that many weapons and the, it's just they're just not a talented unit. And the defense is going to have their hands full with one of the better offenses in the league 
Green Bay's at home where they're unbeaten this year, but they haven't won on the road all year. And so this is basically a must win game for Green Bay. They're coming at it with like their season on the line. And this just feels like a buzzsaw game. Like we're going to go in there and Green Bay is going to jump on us early. They're going to put their their foot on our throat. And this one is going to be one that's over at halftime. So I think that that's what happens. I think Green Bay, I, I think maybe similar to that Patriots game, the defense kind of holds it, hangs it around, keeps us in the game till somewhere in the second quarter. And at some point, the Dolphins offense is going to make a mistake and then the dam will burst and Green Bay will just be all over us and the route will be on and Green Bay is going to win this game 38 to 13. Yeah, and the fact that Green Bay finds themselves in a position where they really need a win in this game, it's basically, I mean, it's not... You know, I, I think the term must win game is a little bit overused, but they find themselves in a situation where they really need to win this game at home against the Dolphins. They're sitting with a record of three, four, and one behind the five, three, and one Vikings and the five and three Bears. So losing a game at home to the Miami Dolphins is not something that this Green Bay Packers team is interested in doing because they've got eyes on that NFC North division, which is a bit more wide open than I think maybe some people would have predicted at the beginning in the se- uh, beginning of the season. So yeah, hard to imagine the Dolphins getting a win. We're going to end today. I've got one question from Golski. He reached out to us he says, Brain, do you guys think the Miami Dolphins will ever see a playoff win under Adam Gase? After three years, I see nothing to suggest that's possible, let alone likely. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? You think the Dolphins ever win a playoff game under Adam Gase, or you think he gets the boot before that? Well, they're not going to win a playoff game this year. And... I'd be stunned. Stunned if the <laughs> Dolphins won a playoff game this year. I would eat my hat. Yeah, so they're not going to win one this year. And we don't even know if he'll be back next year, but let's assume that he's going to be back next year. I would say the odds are against them winning a playoff game next year. And if they don't do that by next year, if I, I mean, I would say the odds are probably good that they don't make the playoffs next year. Then, yeah, he, he's got to be out by then. So I would say, it. yeah, I would say the odds are strongly in favor of him not winning a playoff game. Uh, as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, the only way that I can see himself buying some more time is if he makes the decision to part with Ryan Tannehill in the offseason and commits to a new franchise quarterback project, whatever that might be, whether it's bringing somebody in as a stopgap next year or, or, or drafting a QB, whatever the case may be is, I think unless he is willing to let Ryan Tannehill go to save himself. He's inextricably linked to Ryan Tannehill for, you know, the rest of his Miami Dolphins tenure. And I just, at this point, it's hard to see it happening. Now, I mean, the the other thing is in today's NFL, the Dolphins aren't that far away from being a playoff team next year with, you know, the with a, with a few right moves, with a couple of draft picks hitting the right way. They might not be terribly far from being a playoff team next year, a team that can make the wild card 
Um, but again, with sharing a division with the New England Patriots, barring the, you know, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick retiring at the end of the season, which is certainly a possibility, um, barring something like that happen, it, happening, it's it's hard to see the Dolphins being in a position where they're ready to compete for the AFC East title next season. So, you know, the wild card making a wild card appearance next season is certainly not beyond the realm of possibility but again i mean that's putting a lot of faith in adam gase and the organization making the right moves this off season and making them all work out right this has been um an off season where i think you know ironically a lot of the moves that the dolphins made i think this past off season we're in a position to work out really well. It's just the injury bug has been a disaster this year. It seemed like the Josh Sitton signing would, was a big deal for this team. Um, and this it looked like a completely different team the first week um, when he was there. But since then, he's been gone, so you don't really know how that panned out. But, you know, the Minka Fitzpatrick pick has worked really well. And there's the Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola thing. Obviously, both of those worked out really, really well. Again, though, the injury to Albert Wilson, you lose him. Um, So, I mean, it's certainly not beyond the realm of possibility that the Dolphins could be a playoff team next year. But again, I whether or not they can win, I don't know. I So I'm, fir- I'm firmly riding in the middle of the fence here. Um, I would say if things continue to go on the current trajectory, I would say probably not. But again, if Adam Gase jet decides to jettison Ryan Tannehill, um, it's a whole new ball game because if he jettisons Ryan Tannehill, you're looking at at least another couple of years of Adam Gase before he gets let go. And at that point, anything is possible. The whole game changes because jettisoning, getting rid of Ryan Tannehill means that this organization is looking at its future in a different way, in a sort of more forward thinking way that we haven't seen them do in the past. Um, so if that's something that they do, you know, maybe we see Adam Gase a little longer and maybe somewhere down the road, there's a, there's a Miami Dolphins playoff victory with Adam Gase as the head coach. So We'll we'll see what happens. Time will tell in that regard. In the meantime, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show. So, Brain, why don't you tell the people, as always, where they can find you? Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain, and I am of course on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You can follow the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. We are also on Apple Podcasts, where you can download, rate, review, and subscribe to every episode. So we hope that you will take a few minutes out of your day to leave us a positive review and a nice st- five-star rating over there. It really helps out the show quite a bit. Um, we are also now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Um, Mike from DolphinsTalk.com was going to be joining us on this episode of the show, but there was a l- very late uh, scheduling conflict, so he wasn't able to join us. Um, but we are working to try to get him rescheduled here on the show at another time in the future. So uh, hopefully that will happen soon. We appreciate Mike very much and everything uh, that he has done for the show and everything over there at DolphinsTalk.com. Make sure you're checking it out um, every day. I like to pop over there and see what's going on. There's new columns going up all of the time, new podcasts as well. Um, it's really your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. So make sure you are 
making regular visits to DolphinsTalk.com. Of course, this show is also available on, uh, I almost said the old service that the old podcast was on. Can you believe that? Um, uh, we are available on SoundCloud. Every episode is on SoundCloud so that we uh, we advise you to go over there and subscribe directly to the show. Follow us there and get every be the, uh, the first to get every episode of the same old dolphin show. That is going to wrap us up for our Green Bay preview. Hopefully the dolphins will prove us completely wrong and surprise us with a big, big win on the road in Lambeau this weekend. Um, either way, we will be back shortly after the game to recap it and let you know what we think. Um, but until that time, for Aaron the Brain, this is Amplified to Rock. This is Josh. Take care of yourselves and each other. We will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolph!